sometimes is 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 frustrating uh, seeing that we celebrate the wrong metrics or the wrong incentives sometimes to uh, to to for the ecosystem, right? So the UE, for example, uh, has been doing an amazing job in attracting talent. But what about retention, right? So uh, it's also it's also about uh, about retention, right? So uh, and 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 so it's it's about celebrating the, the the metrics that really make sense. That was the voice of Roberto Croci. Roberto is the director of value creation and transformation at the Saudi Public Investment Fund, PIF. I am your host, Ali Zweil, and this is the Startups Arabia podcast, where you learn about the Arab startups ecosystem from the best founders, investors, and operators in the region. Our guest today is Roberto Croci. Roberto has over 20 years of experience working for companies such as Microsoft and Google. Roberto is now the Director of Value Creation and Transformation at the Saudi Public Investment Fund, PIF. PIF is the engine driving the transformation of Saudi Arabia's economy. He's passionate about innovation, startups, and people. And he mentors young people across the globe, helping them develop an entrepreneurial mindset as they look to solve the world's most pressing problems. Now, here's our interview. Welcome to the Starbucks Arabia podcast. My guest today is Roberto Croci, and uh, Roberto is currently uh, responsible for innovation and transformation in the uh, PIF uh, of, uh, of Saudi Arabia. But he has been a force in the ecosystem, in the regional ecosystem, for quite a while now, uh, whether uh, during his time at Google or at Microsoft and now at PIF, Roberto is always engaging in the ecosystem. He has a unique insight and he has helped so many startups. And uh, it's my pleasure to host him today on the podcast. Welcome, Roberto. Thank you. Thank you so much, Ali. It's, uh, it's an honor and a pleasure being with you today and uh, with the audience, of course. Thank you. Uh, so maybe we can start with the story of, you know, how you came to focus on the world of startups in general. No, listen, it's, uh, it's, uh, there is a sort of, uh, fil rouge, uh, if you want in, in, in my career, right? So, well, I started my career in consulting and then, uh, at some point, uh, I decided to leave a, a stressful job for what I got to know that it was an even more stressful job because I joined a startup. Um, and it was, it was a multi-channel e-commerce re retail, uh, you know, startup back a long, long time ago. And, um, but it was, it was, uh, uh, super exciting, right? So I was in the founding team and uh, you end up doing everything, right? So, and, and the, how dynamic is the work, uh, you know, the, the amount of things you learn and, and the amount of things you feel and you learn and you pivot and you change and you, you know, the, the ups and downs and whatever. So got, got me very excited. And, and, and then I joined Google and within Google, Google acquired the company and called DoubleClick back in 2008. I was in sort of that initial team. And, um, and, and that was like being in a startup, but within a company like Google that, that back in those days, 2009 was in a hyper growth sort of, uh, sort of stage, right? So, but it was about building a new business from within, which was of effectively being like on a, on a, on a startup, in a startup within, within Google. And when I, when I moved to Microsoft, so I was in charge to build the, the startup division in Middle Eastern Africa. And basically I, I, you know, it was again, another startup within a large corporation and it was about startups, right? So, so, um, and so I, I, I got to it, I guess, because, uh, you know, uh, one, I think I've been intentional, uh, in my, in my career, in my career moves, um, right. So sometimes I privileged, uh, to do, uh, lateral moves other than, uh, you know, vertical moves or uh, going up the ranks. Uh, when, when I, uh, when I saw that, uh, that it wouldn't get, got me, get me closer to wherever I wanted to be. Right. So, and, and progressively getting closer to, 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 uh, um, to the startup ecosystem. The, the, the second thing is, uh, you know, uh, uh, having a sort of a portfolio career, sort of mindset and approach. So taking chances as well to, uh, on the side to, to work with startups, to, to help startups. So. But it starts with, with your purpose as well, right? So for me, the yeah. real passion about startups started from very early in my childhood when my father had his own, he was an entrepreneur, right? So 
he had his own company. Uh, you know, he learned the, in the street, if you can, if you can say it. So he didn't, he, he was not lucky enough to, to finish his studies. But whatever he learned, he learned by doing it on the street, right? So, and he, he built his own company. So for me, uh, you know, even, even going in the car with him when I was a child and then seeing it, you know, him interacting with people, getting clients, he, he, you know, he built a company around me, merchandising. So I was surrounded by gadgets. And then for me as a child, they, they became my toys, right? So I was, I was excited about uh, the cups, the balls, whatever, whatever he was using to, 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 to put merchandising on at, at that time. And, um, but I saw, I saw also, uh, you know, the attitude and then the mindset of someone that is on his own, basically. There is no playbook, right? there is no script, there is not someone telling you this is the job that you need to do and do it, right? So he's, you know, being there around with that mindset and that sort of freedom and autonomy, if you want, but you, you yourself being responsible to close deals, to get clients, to understand what to sell to clients and what price and how to manage the logistics and this and that, right? So, so I've been growing up in sort of that environment and uh, and I always wanted to, you know, uh, my father was, was probably not, never able to scale the business to, 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 to a size that probably he wanted to, right? So, so I've always, and those, those things that I, I wanted to help, uh, entrepreneurs as much as I could, because I, I see in each of them, I see also the spirit that my father had, because I grew up with that in, in, in trying to build something themselves in trying to get their business out in trying to scale their business, right? So. So this, this really drives me, it connects back to who I am and to connects back to, you know, where I'm coming from. Um, so that's why, uh, you know, it starts with that intent and that purpose. And, uh, yeah. I mean, I love how inspirational your father's, uh, life story is and, and at the same time, aspirational, because you saw the limits on growth, you know, that you could help others, uh, succeed beyond, so to speak. And also yeah. the, the, the advice to sometimes move laterally in your career to achieve a goal is really sound advice. A lot of people would not take that risk, but really this is what, uh, makes a difference and, 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 and help you find the life path, you know, that, that, that you want. So, uh, wonderful. So maybe I'll, I'll start the story from the, uh, from the last part, uh, of the story first, and then we can, uh, dig more deeply in the history. So tell me about. The PIF, uh, it's maybe the biggest sovereign fund in the world, but, but, you know, when you say you're in value creation and transformation, you're the director of value creation and transformation. What is the PIF? What is the, the strategy of the PIF and, and how does it see, uh, value creation transformation? Yeah, look, um, uh, uh PIS, uh, the, the ambition is definitely to, to become the largest, uh, sovereign wealth fund in the world. Uh, so the ambition here is massive and the, you know, it basically, it, it basically follows what the, what the Saudi 2030 vision is, which is basically, uh, uh, building, uh, and differentiating and building an economy for the years to come in the kingdom. And, and uh, sometimes it's about building new sectors from scratch in the sense that it's not new sectors per se, but it's sectors that were not, uh, you know, um, uh, operating here in, in, in the country, in the economy. And, and so is, is, is about, is about all of that. Right. So, so yes, definitely, uh, PIF is, is, is definitely, uh, an exciting sovereign wealth fund with, with a purpose and a mission that is about to, uh, serving, uh, the, 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 their own country. Right. So, which is, which is very inspiring because when I look at Saudi today is, um, uh, more than 70% of the population is below 35 years old. So it's a very young population. Uh, the kingdom and the country is living a period of uh, intense transformation, right? So not only on the, on the gender side with women way more integrated into uh, the social fabric, but also uh, transformation across every single sector, talent, uh, you know, uh, you know, the building of, uh, you know, the real estate and the giga projects that we've seen are part of the vision, right? So the country is really transforming and what I see happening here is unprecedented, right? So is uh, is, is really the energy you feel in people, in the people here and the pride of serving for their country and being part of the transformation that they will impact the life and the wealth of their kids, for example. Right. So, and then the, the, the direct impact they can have also across the region is just massive. It's just a pure energy. 
So this is this is where where the context starts from, right? So within within that, of course, uh, PF, you know, Mission as a Sovereign Wealth Fund has been the main the main focus of the strategy has historically been the deployment of of money, right? So investing into new companies and sectors and and uh, whether it's uh, in the MENA region, whether it's international, whether it's uh, focus on real estate or the giga projects that we are all, uh, you know, admiring and seeing, it, uh, you know, uh, what's next and then uh, how they will come to life. Um, progressively, I would say there is more, uh, there is an increased focus as well on what is value creation, right? Because at the end of the day, uh, the deployment of money is not the end of the story, actually it's the start of the story, right? So, but then once you have deployed the money and you have enabled the company uh, to to set up and and grow, then is is how you can create more value with the company, and and that could happen at different levels, right? It could be either financial perspective on the company through M and A restructuring or other other sort of initiatives, or it could be a more at a more operational level, uh, which is uh, on the commercial side is how the company can make more money, can grow, and and you know can scale their operations. But it could be also any other operational lever, uh, to be honest. So it could be how, you know, we can improve the supply chain. We've seen since COVID, we've seen how the whole supply chain globally probably has been suffering and how there is a need to optimize uh, supply chain differently, for example. And that's value creation. It could be on the talent people perspective, right? So, uh, you know, uh, we are talking about uh, this war of talent. We are talking about uh, a lot of times in the region, we talk about there is a lack of talent. Uh, we talk about uh, what talent do we need in the first place, and is there a sort of a capacity planning in terms of are we skilling or reskilling uh, talent in a way that is most useful or productive for for the economy, right? So, from MPI's perspective, you know, when you work across a relevant number of portfolio companies, how can we also enable, you know, how can we build the next generation of uh, leadership uh, in the country? Uh, how can we build the next generation of CEOs? But also more easily, how can we enable uh, you know, talent that uh, find itself himself or herself stuck in a company that is in the portfolio to maybe find the next opportunity in another company within the portfolio. So retain, uh, you know, the talent and invest, keep investing on uh, the talent, right? So this is another level of value creation. It could be many other things it could be on the procurement side, on the contracting side, you know, there are so many levers that can be activated. And then the real job there is to focus, right? So to really understand what's the right thing to do in a specific company, uh, when is the right timing to do that, and and you know things that could really move the needle and and create or maximize the the value creation and the total uh, shareholder returns, right? Whether you you measure it in revenues or EBITDA or enterprise value, and those could be details at at, the, at this stage. But uh, what impact you are going to create? The other the other interesting thing uh, is about uh, you know value creation usually goes deeper into a single portfolio company. But then there could be also a conversation around what synergies can be enabled across portfolio companies, right? So because at the end of the day, think about, I don't know, the first example that comes to mind is a circular economy. If you have a recycling company in your portfolio, you have other companies that could benefit from that. I mean, that's a no-brainer sort of synergy that can be activated and created, right? So, um, and, and, you know, it starts by bringing people together and letting them spending more time together. Right, so on how you would do that within a sovereign wealth fund for portfolio companies, how to enable synergies across. But this is this is a little bit about DPS uh, experience so far. I, I recently started, and and what's the the vision, the mission, how the strategy is shifting, and the focus of my role here, which is very exciting. I mean, uh, we work across all the sectors uh, under under Mina, for example, and uh, it's it's very exciting to see, uh, you know, how more value can be created. Uh, from the investments that PIS did so far and uh, what more synergies can be also enabled uh, with time. Um, and asking about the the overall strategy of PIF, do startups have a role in that uh, strategy or is it uh, more about the enterprises that are part of uh, PIF already? No, look, uh, uh, definitely they, they do have a role. Uh, so uh, within every sector, I would say, uh, if, if, we, if, we, if, we, if we talk at the highest level, uh, within every sector, it's, it's a good mix of uh, mature companies with uh, new, newly established companies. Um, maybe uh, not all of these newly established companies are what we would uh, refer to in the startup ecosystem as tech, purely tech startups, but this is what happens within the investment vehicles. Then you also have uh, the VC arm, right? So Sanabi, for example, is a, is a VC that invests in early stage tech startups. And, and uh, uh, 
basically, so technically, is 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 there is an interest there in sourcing and and understanding where, uh, you know, uh, it makes sense to support uh, early stage uh, entrepreneurs in building uh, the the next wave of tech, uh, enables the startups that will be part of the economy here as well. So definitely, there is a, there is a tension, appetite, and interest also towards the startup ecosystem for sure. Even if, of course, if you look in the in the scale of PF and the numbers. Uh, today, definitely, the, 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 the percentage is uh, is focusing the highest percentage is focusing on on mature companies and what is Bigger called very established companies that are not necessarily tech startups. Right, and um, is because I mean we see Saudi becoming more and more uh, established in the startup ecosystem regionally with not only with conferences like Leap but also with uh, a lot of incentives for startups to move there. From, from other countries, uh, things of that sort. As you said, Saudi, Saudi is progressively becoming a relevant hub because is, one is attracting more startups. So uh, one of the enabling factors of an ecosystem is the quantity, right? So definitely you need to have quantity and abundance in order to build a healthy funnel down, down the line. Right? So, and so Saudi is definitely attracting more, more startups into the kingdom in, in the ecosystem. And, and with that, with time, the quality of that status will, will improve, given that uh, uh, it's, 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 not, it's not the only thing that Saudi is doing, so that there is a massive uh, improvement as well in, in, in uh, driving the right incentives for, for startups. Uh, and also in the, on the funding side, there is so the, the, the capital available and the smart money available and how startups can find uh, you know the right partners as well to 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 take on their 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 initiative. Then that's critical, right? So so the availability of the quality of the startups and the availability of early stage funding are critical to ignite uh, the the ecosystem, right? So uh, and what's what's happening in Saudi is also you see the availability of uh, you know international players that you know are coming here with their programs, right? So I'm thinking about the tech stars of the world, the plug and play of the world. Uh, the 500 global of the world, right? So they all have programs now here in Saudi, and, and I'm not uh, uh, mentioning all of them, right? So, but there is there is uh, more and more uh, as we speak, more um, more of these players coming here, setting up a headquarters here, and and uh, building their own community, and this community integrates with each other. So it's it's all part of the startup ecosystem, right? So all of this is positive, um, and and uh, is is contributing to 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 develop the ecosystem here. Um, so, I mean, going back to your kind of trajectory, maybe you started having eyes on the, the region remotely starting 2010, you know, you had some roles in Google that were also overseeing this region. And then you actually moved here in 2015 to Dubai, uh, to the region, I mean, uh, and then you, uh, set up Microsoft for startups in the uh, Middle East and Africa region. So you've had like the chance to really engage in the ecosystem gradually more and more. Uh, and you've been here for the last uh, eight uh, years almost. How do you see the regional startups ecosystem and how it's progressed and, and especially the Gulf region? Yeah, this is, a, this, is a, uh, this is an amazing question, Ali. Look, uh, as you said, yes, I've been involved in the region since uh, a long time now, uh, uh, right? So, uh, and I, I have to be honest, I fell in love with the region. So when I was... Uh, uh, at, at Google, I, 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 overs I was overseeing a, an even larger region, uh, which an emerging markets at the time was called emerging markets was, was part of that. But instead of, the, of then setting up things, uh, you know, across that region and then moving on probably to the US, I decided, to, you know, I asked it to be, to be relocated to, to, to Dubai, to be more focused on emerging markets. I love the diversity of cultures in the region, the, the, the demographics of the region, right? So the hope uh, with young population where technology could have played a role to uh, create more jobs to you know give more opportunities to to really change the game and then drive economies in a different a different direction right so so all of that was exciting so uh, that's that's part of the reason why I decided then to to move to this region and invest in in you know my my career and my life as well uh, in this part of the world because I really believe there is a huge potential here so the and, and with that the ecosystem itself uh, uh, changed uh, changed a lot right so when we talk about uh, the startup ecosystem in the region we are not talking about uh, history a long history a long a long time ago even if then time flies and it feels like yesterday but but we are talking about a more recent history uh, to to be very honest right so even the most influential VCs in the region 
uh, they, they trace back to probably no, no more than 10 years ago, right? So, uh, and, and some of them are still at the second or third fund, so they, they, they don't have a, a, a you know, track record as you would find in, in VCs in other parts, uh, in more mature ecosystems. But, but that's also very interesting because you've seen the trajectory of how, you know, from a very nascent ecosystem, how things have been evolving and what have been the components that have been driving that evolution. It has been very interesting to me to observe how government, for example, in this part of the world, played a critical role and is playing a critical role in, in driving this ecosystem, right? So, uh, and it, it starts from the, the appetite and the vision of shifting the whole economy from oil to knowledge-based. And in this shift, the entrepreneurship acquires uh, a significant uh, uh, position, also keeping in mind and keeping reminding that uh, there has been a historically a huge percentage of unemployment in the region. So on, on, on the uh, policy agenda, it's not, it's not probably uh, been a focus of uh, job seeking uh, rather than more, how we can incentivize more job creation as well to drive this shift of the economy. Well, so entrepreneurship being very relevant um, and, and, and government being involved in, in shaping, uh, you know, policies and regulations to make it easier and easier. Um, year after year, um, you know, for entrepreneurs to consider this region first as a hub. So why as an entrepreneur, you will say, why would I set my startup in Dubai if, you know, if, if, and if, right? So to, uh, to, to be top of mind for entrepreneurs and to have them consider that as a destination. So this I've seen changing dramatically, right? So, so, uh, and, and we have seen it from the 100% foreign ownership, the bankruptcy law, the, all the visas that, for example, UAE has been leading the way in the region to, to, to issue, to, to attract uh, talent and to allow talent as well, especially, you know, uh, the failure rate, right? So when we, when we have early stage startups, we're still talking about uh, 90, more than 90% of those startups would fail. So how is an entrepreneur? Can you find an environment where you can you can tolerate that? So you, you mitigate uh, a lot of the risk. So right. So the, the job and the the, the, the the whole environment that the government contributed to set in the region, starting from the UAE, probably as a leading country in the region, as a hub that that configured as a as a regional hub, first and probably now an international or global hub, it's been massive. Has been impressive uh, with the speed as well with, with which government has been ex executed. With that, we have seen. Also, the, the startup ecosystem players, you know, uh, evolving, right? So maybe the first, the, first, uh, the first wave of ecosystem players had been more community hubs. So places where founders, the first founders in the region could find other founders and, and, and you know, uh, just, just join uh, together and share experiences towards more uh, incubators. So having sort also of how we can help uh, startups get to a product market fit, right? So how we can help uh, founders or people that have ideas to build their business and, and prove the fact that there is, there is a demand for it, there is a market for that, and then get the first, the first customers, right? So, and then, you know, the new accelerators, right? So accelerators that would take startups that have, uh, you know, already proved that they have initial customers or they don't know how to scale their business. So how to take them to the next level of. Towards today, we talk also about a lot of venture building startup studios. So how, how, you know, to identify needs that maybe corporations have or needs that there could be business models that, you know, and how to have an in-house team that can uh, de-risk a number of functions, like so the product development, the IT, uh, the go-to-market and so on and so forth. And then, you know, those startups incubated for a period of time while, you know, aiming them to work on their, on their legs after that time. So the evolution of this support in, in the region has been massive as well, right? So um, we see now that we have, we have global players, uh, of course, available in the region that have already been building their communities. We have players that are even differentiating uh, probably by industry, right? So we have seen specific accelerators in, in certain industries or sectors, whether it's in the logistics side or whether it's in the travel, tourism and hospitality side and so on and so forth, or in the financial services side, for example. Um, the other, so this, this, this has been uh, as well very, very critical to, to the startup ecosystem, the evolution of the startup ecosystem in the region. The other component that I've seen very active has been the regulators, right? So if I, again, take the example of the UAE in the region where ADGM and the IFC have been leading the way to set regulations that would have uh, make it more attractive for fintech companies, financial services, tech companies, right? So to consider the UAE as a progressive environment where to 
even pilot new things and, and test new things before uh, scaling, right? So, um, so those, are, this, those have been components where, you know, uh, there, there have been, and then there are, of course, multiple other players that, that are contributing to the startup ecosystem from technology companies to other service companies to corporates, right? So there are corporates in the region that uh, either they started setting their CVC arm, like I'm thinking about EN, TSELAT, or uh, STC, or other large uh, corporations in the region that are pioneering the way I'm thinking of Shalom Group or Masha Futem, for example, they recently announced their incubator. So they've been looking at how to try to solve some of the challenges that they have as corporates through startups and try to learn how to do that, right? Because uh, one learning there is that the, the hard part is not to, uh, for the corporate to identify their challenges or to source the startups. It's really how to work with the startups and how to merge the two cultures together and how to find an operating model there that, that really works and drive execution, right? So, and the governance uh, to, to drive that. Uh, but corporates as well and academia probably as well, right? So this is probably where we are still in some gaps. Uh, in the ecosystem in order we could do much better or we, we have a roadmap ahead to, to take the ecosystem to the next level. So, uh, and then I would say the last, the last component is also the macroeconomy, right? So let's look at uh, uh, where the world is going today or um, in, in, in this uh, uncertainty uh, that we are seeing around. Uh, probably the Middle East has become one of the most stable region globally, which is uh, something we would probably... Uh, only dream of saying, uh, you know, uh, years back. Um, but definitely, uh, definitely, uh, there are the, the ingredients, uh, uh, you know, for, for building an even stronger ecosystem are all there. The drive in the people as well and, and the vision of, uh, you know, getting there is also there. So um, it sounds, it sounds uh, uh, very positive for a startup ecosystem in the region to, uh, you know, facing, facing the future. Yeah, so, so there's been this, government focus been there's availability of capital and there is there are like micro positive uh, waves that are helping the region along uh, so that's all great and we see that in the numbers and in the growth trajectory as, as you were mentioning the what are the biggest gaps that still need to be filled though Absolutely. So look, um, uh, um, uh, I, 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 I believe that the ecosystem still um, has uh, room for improvement, right? I think one gap starts with uh, the mindset of the founders, right? So uh, uh, I think that historically, historically, uh, uh, as we are talking about the evolution of the ecosystem, historically, we have seen a number of startups in the region, uh, I mean, that, that were more... Um, and uh, copycats or me too version of business models that prove to be successful elsewhere. Is there something wrong with that? Not, not in principle, right? So if you're a founder with a great, uh, with a, with a solid exit strategy and you're building something localized and you, you, you know, you, you know, where, where you want to get, that's, that's, that's still, that's, that's great. But, but I think that as an ecosystem, the appetite uh, should, should be, the ambition should be bigger uh, and, and, and uh, especially considering, uh, you know, how the, the, you know, the drive from the, from the government's here to, 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 to shift the economy, right? So I think there should be a more uh, global mindset of trying to uh, also solve uh, problems that, that can scale, right? So because this is where we have seen uh, uh, some, some of the issues in the ecosystem is seeing uh, businesses that say uh, they're, they're trying to solve a too small problem and then to, 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 to scale, right? Which is, again, is is to is not globally, right? Just to scale globally, yes, yes, yes. Uh, no. Because um, it's not a bad a bad thing per se, but but uh, sometimes uh, you know there are there there have been uh, probably uh, a number of startups that were not trying to solve the real problem, or problems that were too small, and and uh, you know then then that that's a different sort of uh, uh, thing, right? So when we talk about startups, we are thinking about uh, businesses that can solve problems at scale and then can then justify also. Uh, VC funding, right? So to, to sustain that, that skill and then to drive the impact across uh, a large number of, of people. And then for that, you, you need to have a, a funders that come with also a different mindset, but really start focusing on what are the real problems that you are trying to face. Probably, and this joke is now not relevant anymore because this, probably this shift in mindset already started. But a few months back, probably we were saying something like, we don't need another service delivery company in the UAE because we already have made, right? So because 
we, we, we got a, a big number of startups that were trying to do probably uh, some similar, similar things. So this is one. The, the other, other, but there are definitely other. So on the funding side, for example, I think that um, uh, one is uh, the government involvement or vo involvement with that should, 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 I mean, there should be a government understanding where is the limit on where government can enable, uh, you know, funding, uh, you know, across uh, the region yeah. and the ecosystem. At a point where it stimulates also the private sector to start investing because they would feel that there is an incentive and a return for, for them as well, right? So probably there we are not uh, yet where the ecosystem could be, plus also attracting more uh, also international and global capitals, right, as well to uh, not only invest, uh, probably what happened in the past was this capital was used to invest mainly outside of the region, whereas now that everybody starts looking in their courtyard, right, so is how can, uh, you know, uh, uh, international capital can be attracted for indirect investments as well. They can be leveraged to uh, invest also in, in, in regional startups and local startups, right? So, so the funding as well, I think the, the, the funding ecosystem probably should also evolve, right? So in terms of uh, raising the bar higher in terms of uh, what, what the, the real business is uh, that could, could become the, the next wave of the leadership. Uh, uh, businesses in the, in the region should be, right? So, and probably what happened in the economy recently is going to help because there is no better time than this one for investors to invest into, into startups, right? So, um, so I believe that. And, and uh, probably the, 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 the recent uh, facts, what they did is they, 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 they made the whole thing more rush, rushing. So we've seen for some time, uh, you know, a focus on growth at any cost sometimes with no reason and with no real tangible metrics on what's the value created or the impact left by those, those businesses, right? But, you know, you know, the excitement of those markets then that took, took on that direction. Whereas with, with the recent facts, we've seen that there is definitely be, been a shift towards more rational uh, investment. So, and this is, I believe this is positive, right? So uh, we, need, we, need, we need more businesses. We, I start from the fact that we are, as a humanity, as a mankind, we are facing a lot of problems, whether it's on the healthcare side of things, whether it's on supply chain side of things, whether it's education side of things. There are so many sectors where we, we are in need of new solutions of reimagining a number of experiences that we are going through and so on and so forth. So, if you look at that, and if you look at the rationalization of the markets uh, and, and you know the consolidation of, of, of the markets and how the focus is more on profitability now and, and sustainability of businesses and resilience of businesses, I, I I only think that this is this is a positive shift that is happening because it will return us with the next wave of companies that will be uh, you know driving a lot of impact for for stronger companies. Yes, absolutely. This, but this is still I believe this is still a gap in the ecosystem where. I would, I would love and I would envision that the VCs themselves will step up and, and will also raise the bar in terms of what companies they're, they're going to invest with. Uh, probably they will factor in also some sustainability metrics on, you know, which type of businesses they're going to invest in, sustainable businesses, resilient businesses, uh, businesses that are returning back also to, to society, right? So probably we will see, we will see more, uh, more of that, more of that happening. Um, and, and uh, on, the, on the academia side, I think also uh, uh, a lot can be done more in the region, in the regional ecosystem when it comes to research and development, which is a gateway as well to entrepreneurship, right? So some projects in research and development will be, uh, will kept as research and development within the universities, but some other projects will, will find more uh, business applications, more viable, uh, uh, you know, uh, um, um, exits into, into the industry, right? So, so. Uh, we don't have much of that uh, uh, in the region yet. It starts with education. It starts with the institution, education institution. So probably trying to attract uh, uh, people from the region that have uh, uh, experience, great experiences as PhD and, and then come back and give back and build the next wave of PhDs in the region and, and you know, keep the bar very high is, yep. is, is a long-term plan, but it's something that is probably largely uh, missing in the region. But it's a necessary investment, I believe, longer term uh, to, to, you know, to evolve the ecosystem, to take the ecosystem to a level where, uh, there is more, uh, participation and more, um, collaboration across private and public sector and academia as well. Yeah. Um, uh, I agree with everything you said so much, uh, um, you know, and, and when we look at other ecosystems and how they evolve, like the Chinese ecosystem at the beginning, 
it was all copycat kind of things. You know, uh, uh, Google, okay, we'll have uh, uh, Baidu. Uh, Twitter, we'll have Weibo, etc. But now, with the technical skills and, and developing the R&D and all these things, they, they are now taking the lead with something like TikTok, for example, and social networking uh, globally. She in, in uh, Pinduoduo has nothing similar to it anywhere in the world. So they kind of, there's this inflection point where you need to change things with the technical skills and with more later stage funds that are mega funds, which is also something, as, as you mentioned, you know, we need more of um, in the region. And last but not least, I cannot underline enough, you know, the importance of ambition and, and really, you know, it's taking it up two or three levels, not just one level in terms of uh, founder ambition and, and really believing uh, in yourself and your ability to solve problems that are global and not just uh, regional. So, yeah, I mean, uh, that's a great summary of, you know, of, of also what can still be done in the ecosystem, despite all the great things that have already been done. And, and uh, if you allow me, Ali, one, one thing more I would sure. mention, because I believe, I personally believe it's very important, is also uh, how the ecosystem would define the, the success, right? So what success mm. would look like for the, for the ecosystem? So... One thing that bothers me is that sometimes, or most of the times still, we see across the ecosystem um, at different levels, uh, more vanity metrics, right? So in terms of, oh, um, we set this hub and we got 100 startups. But what does that mean? So don't get me wrong. It's important. We said one enabling factor for an ecosystem is abundance, right? So if we drive quantity, that's, that's contributing to build an ecosystem. It's is an essential part to enable the ecosystem. But is that the metric that determines if we are successful, if you are in the right direction? I don't think so, right? So uh, sometimes we see uh, in the region still celebrating more uh, vanity metrics rather than be very, you know, uh, be very blunt and, and, and direct and transparent and say, look, if you really want to get there, those are the real metrics that we need to move uh, in order to get closer to, to, to that vision. But to be very transparent, I believe that uh, uh, the moment the ecosystem will 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 uh, will uh, absorb, uh, you know, this it's, it's the elephant in the room, right? So we will be talking about real metrics that drive real value. That will be when the ecosystem would have got probably the confidence and will be mature enough probably to compete with other ecosystems, in my opinion, uh, because um, uh, uh, sometimes is 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 frustrating uh, seeing that we celebrate the wrong metrics or the wrong incentives sometimes to. Uh, to, to, for the ecosystem, right? So the UE, for example, uh, has been doing an amazing job in attracting talent, but what about retention, right? So uh, it's also, it's also about, uh, about retention, right? So, uh, and, and, and so it's, it's about celebrating the, the, the metrics that really make sense. Uh, uh, and it, it depends of, of course, uh, uh, what's on the agenda and uh, from who, right? So, but if we, if you, if you, if you ask me, uh, about this ecosystem, I think that uh, on different fronts, we, we can still do a better job on focusing on the metrics that really matters and what really matters to move the needle and then take the ecosystem to the next. Yeah, that's also a great point. Um, so I wanted to ask you about uh, if you were, you know, what would be your advice that uh, for people in the startup ecosystem, what industries, what solutions, what problems should they be focusing on aggressively in the near future that maybe not enough startups are working on? Listen, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a great question, right? So it always starts from, you know, uh, sometimes the most relevant ideas start from what really bothers you in your own life or in the life of your friends or your family or whatever you, whoever you know, right? So you don't, you probably, you don't wake up, uh, you know, one morning and say, I want to disrupt healthcare. Probably you wake up one morning and say, oh, my dear friend, my father, my mother, my brother, uh, got cancer and, uh, you know, it was not predicted on time for this and that reason. And then you become passionate to solve that because they say, I would have saved, uh, my brother's life or whatever, if I only would have developed this solution before a time, you become passionate about that. Right. So. Ideas and then and real, uh, real things, right? So start, start that way. Uh, so it's, and it's, it's, it's in between a push and pull of things, right? So, um, that said, that said, I believe that, uh, you know, uh, whatever we are assisting in the world today, right? So, uh, some people say that there are a lot of threats. I always try to 
to, to look at threats as opportunities, right? So look whatever happened with, with COVID across many different industries, like healthcare is, is a clear one, right? So how the development of technology can help accelerate the prediction of diseases, the diagnosis of certain diseases, how technology can be, be leveraged at scale to, to, to support on all of that, on the decision-making process for, for doctors, for example, right? So, uh, and, and that's where I believe that there is a, still a huge gap and a lot of stuff that can be done to, uh, and, and the impact would be uh, for all of us, right? So, uh, you know, sometimes it's disappointing when, uh, when we talk about health tech and we see, you know, a lot of students are trying to solve for, you know, connecting doctors and patients with insurance or, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's fine. But I believe that where technology can, can really make a difference is in, in, in the real hard, hardcore of uh, what we need as human beings in terms of um, preventing or diagnosing certain diseases and leveraging technology for the wealth of data that we can have access to, to try and help or assist in, in that, right? So healthcare, I believe, is, is a sector that to me uh, will go probably through a transformation as we have probably we have seen in the recent years in financial services. Another one that I am passionate about personally is education, um, right? So we have seen, you know, especially with new technologies, we have already seen it, right? So with this chat GPT and a lot of educational institutions that, you know, are, are saying, wait, 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 wait a second. Uh, we cannot use, really use that here, right? It's not because, because uh, even students are even cheating to try to give certain answers. But, but the, 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 the big question is, in, in the context of the new world, of the world where we are living in, and in the context of an education system that was set in a very different time with a very different needs. So what, what is it we should reimagine? What is that would really, uh, uh, you know, make our life easier? What is that would be really relevant for us, for our kids, well, and, you know, for all of us actually as lifelong, uh, you know, education and, and, you know, what experience should be so. I believe that education is one of the sectors where there is still a huge amount of reimagination needed in order to, uh, you know, to, uh, to solve the real problems that you are facing there. Then, then of course, uh, the whole, uh, uh, you know, uh, I would, I would use the word that is sustainability, but under sustainability, there is so many things, uh, that we are facing that are real problems we are facing as humanity, right? So from climate change, uh, clean energy, um, food, um, you know, I, even the, let's take regionally. So the UAE is still importing 90% of the food, right? So with whatever crisis happened with COVID, the supply chain that got in crisis, this is a huge major issue, but also food security, right? So uh, with, with all this disruption and uncertainty, uh, you know, uh, having, having real solutions for, for food security uh, are, are, are definitely a, a priority. Water, water and carbon, of course, uh, right? So... And, there are so many things under the umbrella of sustainability, which it's, it's too broad, right? So we always need to be very specific and, and it takes time. And, uh, but I, I believe that uh, there will be, and there needs to be a huge wave of, of startups and solutions to address some of the burning problems that we are facing in each one of those subcategories that we, we usually categorize under sustainability, right? So there is, there is plenty of things that, that need to happen there. And, and, and probably I'm not, I'm not talking about other sectors, but these are top of mind for me because one, I'm passionate about those. And, uh, I believe that, uh, there is so much to do, uh, there to solve real problems there that, that we should have enough to have, you know, a lot of, of startups coming out of those sectors. Yeah. It's interesting that almost it's like we, we've, we've targeted more the high level needs, but the real basic needs of healthcare, education, sustainability, you know, these really require some revolutionary solutions and and there's a big need for that so i mean speaking of like looking forward uh, you're also a member of capital club dubai and the london technology club you're the head of dubai for it now do you do do you make angel investments and if yes how do you evaluate these investments how do you think about an investment yep yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, that's, that's, a, uh, that's a great question. I'm passionate. I'm very passionate about. Yes, yes, I'm um, doing angel investments. So for me, when we talk about angel investments, you're really talking about uh, early stage entrepreneurs, early stage founders. Sometimes he's, uh, he's first time founders, first time entrepreneurs. So um, I'm passionate about it for all the reasons that I shared with you before, uh, back to my, my history, my background, right? But how do you evaluate that? So Listen, in my experience, when we talk about angel investing, it's mainly about, it's mainly about uh, the people, the team, the founder. Uh, you know, uh, 
sometimes uh, the founder you had in front of you might have the wrong product, but you bet on the person, on the person that, you know, that person can, if, if that person has the drive, if that person is really falling in love with, with a problem and has the drive and is a person that can also make the hard calls wrestling people. So then, of course, uh, probably it's about some unit economics to see the model. But, you know, you, you see all these pitch decks with, with uh, this addressable market, with this uh, estimation of things. With, uh, but, but angel investing, we are, we are very early stage, right? So you don't even know, uh, you know, what that product looks like. Uh, what, what you still need, the, you, you have an idea of solving a problem that maybe in the journey, you understand that it's not a real problem. You go deeper into and, and you go two, three, four, five, whatever layers to, to the root cause of. And then you maybe pivot or you maybe decided to, to, to make different decisions, right? So when you have a, when you're at that stage, I would say it's a, it's a, it's a real bet on the person uh, or people in front of you and their, their, uh, you know, how much they really go uh, and fall in love into the problem. And probably it doesn't even make sense to go that deep into financial analysis at that stage, right? So it's, it's mainly. Who is in front of you? What's, what's the story? What's the reason why? What's the problem he's trying to solve? What's the commitment this person has? Would you work with this person, right? So would you believe this person has the drive and the, the, the morale and the, the characteristics to, to take this thing forward and pivot and to make the changes and to survive the ups and downs of the journey? Exactly. So how can you evaluate, since the founder is so core in the early stage investing phase, how can you evaluate the founder or founders from a pitch deck? seem difficult yeah to to me to me it's it's uh yeah uh, uh, to me the three five minutes pitch deck uh, the, you know it's 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 not a uh it's a hook right so is is oh yeah I, I might like that i want to know more but is to me is 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 uh spending time is is spending time with uh with the founder right so is spending is really spending the, the the time to understand the person 360 degrees the persons that are in front of you uh and and who is in front of you so sort of, so, but it takes definitely to me, it takes more than just a pitch deck to, yeah. yeah. So I, I like, you know, what you said, like a pitch deck is the hook. It's just a way to get you to, to sit with them. That's, you know, you have to find a way, whether it's the market, the solution, something in the pitch to make, to, to make that happen, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So doing a little research, I saw that you climbed K2. Uh, the world's second uh, tallest summit. Uh, so reflecting back on that, uh, what, what are the lessons you take away from that experience and how do they apply like to your business life? No, listen, uh, it's, uh, um, it's, uh, uh, the, the, the lesson I learned is that, um, uh, one, one is, um, that sometimes, uh, uh, sometimes it's a sprint, sometimes it's a marathon, right? So you need to really understand, um, where you're at and what game you're playing, right? So, and, and you, you're not alone in, 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 in the game, right? So you, you, you know, what, what resources you can count on. So you need to be self-aware. So let me say, yeah, let me say that is those experiences like, like hiking and, and is those experiences are humbling because it forces you to, to, to become self-aware of, uh, where you, where are you at in the journey? Can, you know, what are the gaps and. What are your blind spots as much as you can, right? So, and then and, trying also to get, to get feedback from, from people. So becoming self-aware of who you are is as, as a starting point, as a starting point. The other, the other humbling lesson is that there is nothing wrong in not having uh, all the answers to certain things, right? So as long as you have an attitude where it's always about learning, right? So from a journey that was too hard for you and you learn how to, you should train differently, uh, you know, or, or whatever it is, but is um, accepting that in, 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 especially in the world today at the complexity that we see around and the pace of things and how certain things are going that fast and say, oh, yesterday I got trained or something and today is already obsolete, right? So something like that, right? So learning how to be comfortable, not having all the answers is, is key, right? So because that's not the point. The point is, you have the skills, but the attitude as well to go and search for, for that, to, to go back and say, look, I went back, I reflected on that. I, I, I understood, you know, you, you have a network, right? So how to leverage the, the resources in a more holistic way 
instead of you yourself trying to be, you know, the, the source of every single answer and being a bottleneck or not being able to, right? So, and also being vulnerable as a leader as well is accepting what your limits are. And when you're hiring, for example, is hiring for complementarity, right? So the skills that you don't have, being humble and honest and say, look, I'm, I'm being vulnerable and saying, look, we don't have, I don't have that. So I'm complementing that by hiring someone that maybe smarter or better than me at those things because I, I, I'm not able, I don't, I, it's not part of my, uh, my background or my skills, right? So, but, but those experiences, uh, you know, when you get to close to a limit, and the nature is there to, to teach us all the time, right? So it's not only about hiking, it could be whatever else. But when you get close to the limit, you understand, you know, uh, that at the end of the day, uh, you know, we are all human beings and, and there is nothing wrong in being vulnerable. As long as, of course, uh, you, you have the attitude to drive things, right? So you are humble, but hungry at the same time. And you understand people and you put people together with an agenda, the purpose, right? So uh, in the right way. But... Uh, but, but, but in today's world of uncertainty and complexity, I believe experiences like that, and again, it doesn't have to be that one, but gets you closer to understanding more about us as human beings, what keeps us together as human beings, you know, and making time as well to reflect about yourself. A lot of people, uh, you know, get into this routine and, uh, you know, the quarters of the quarters of the day to day, right? So, uh, but one thing I also understood is you yourself, you only define how cheap is your time, right? So, uh, and, and uh, because it's, it's one of the few variables that is in your control, right? So you decide who you spend time with, what you spend, uh, how you spend your time doing what, right? So, so to me, that is, that is one of the other key lessons learned is you only decide how cheap is your time and what you spend your time doing, uh, you know. And, and you can only make time for yourself. It's nobody is, is coming to you and say, Hey Ali, please make some time for yourself. And, uh, you know, just, just take the time and go and no, you need to make time for yourself to disconnect, to recharge, to become self-aware, to get feedback, uh, right? So, and absorb the feedback you got and, and then distill and then, you know, uh, find action out of that. Right. So nobody will ever give you that time. Right. So, uh, and, and then how you decide to spend your time will also determine, in my opinion, also who you are, right? So, so those things, when, once you are close to the limit with, with nature, you are at that height or, you know, whatever else you might be. I, I, I recently learned of a story of, of a guy who did this sailing for 40, 40 something days right, around the world. And I guess he also learned a lot about in that extreme experience, you get to the extreme and you get closer to that. But you don't need to get to the extreme or you don't need to get to a limit. To, to understand that, right? Or to get to, 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 to understand these lessons, right? So of course, in, in, in those situations, what, what it happens, it, it accelerates or you, you really face yourself against the, uh, uh, something that, that it becomes more clear probably, but, but you can definitely, you know, by self-meditating, by, by, you know, whatever, the different people would have different ways of, of getting to, to those sort of answers. But, but I believe uh, the lessons that I learned, uh, the ones that I share are probably the most relevant for me that uh, helped me a lot in the, you know, in the next course of, the, of my career. So uh, let me move to the final part of the interview with the quick fire questions where I ask a quick question and you give me your answer. Uh, the first one is what, what books do you like to recommend to other book or books? Look, uh, uh, I have a lot of books. Uh, I, I love reading. Uh, one, one book is, uh, from Clayton Christensen, uh, 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 is how would you measure your life? Uh, 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 because it makes me think a lot, right? So there was this study from Harvard, uh, business school where, uh, they, uh, they analyzed the, the reasons why the, the main, the, the main regrets that people have when they're about to die. And if you look at those regrets is the first one is, uh, I wish I wouldn't have lived someone else's life. And the other four are mainly about the social dimension, relationships, right? So I wish I, I wouldn't have worked that hard. I wish I would have spent more time with my family and so on and so forth. So relationships are, 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 are key, right? So are, uh, and makes us better human beings. So this book for me is, is a great source of inspiration. And, and then I have a book from Joe Foster because I have the lack of uh, know him. He's the founder of Reebok and he, he gave me his book, which is the Shoemaker. I mean, there is another very uh, famous book in the startup world, which is uh, The Shoe Dog from Phil Knight, uh, who is yeah, the founder of yeah. Nike. Nike. And it's interesting, right? So, but, uh, but this one, I feel it more uh, closer to me because I met, I met uh, uh, 
and no, and I know him, I know Joe Foster uh, mm-hmm. well. And so uh, he also shared uh, some of the stories that are written in the book. So whenever you meet the person, it, it becomes also more personal, right? So, but there are so many books about, around, you know, people that, that build their businesses, right? So it's always uh, interesting to dive into their story, what triggered how they started, you know, how they became successful, how they scaled the business. So I'm, I'm very passionate about reading, reading those stories as well. So second question, uh, how do you unwind and how do you stay energized? I, I am a self-energizing person uh, from the very morning. I'm a very early morning person. So from the very early morning, I, 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 I try to, uh, it's a mindset. Uh, it's a mindset. I think uh, it's, it's the way I look at things, right? So I try to make things as exciting uh, for me as possible. Uh, even if it's it's not required that they, they they should be right so so no matter what right so I try to make the situation as exciting for me as possible or I try to build situation for myself where it becomes exciting for me right so for example if you assign me a job and it is boring I would try to stretch it or or build it into an ambition that becomes exciting for me so that gives me the energy to say oh if I do that uh, you know but I think it's more it's more a mindset right so trying to do things where you constantly learn and and uh, and, but, but it's, but the mindset is also re, re, not giving it for granted, right? So not accepting the status quo or giving it for granted. So the mindset is, how can I make this something that I really enjoy doing? Because at the end of the day, I might be a lazy person, right? So, uh, if I see that someone is better than me at doing things, I would try to make everything that that person will do that, but build on top of each other. Right? So, but for, for the things that, that I'm responsible for, uh, you know, I, 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 I get the energy from imagine, imagining that, that situation uh, being very exciting for me, but also then of course is uh, the, 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 the purpose of that situation, right? So, uh, you know, if, 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 you, if you know that by doing that thing, you are going to impact, to, 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 to make a certain impact, then of course the energy drives for that, right? So as we said before about why being in Saudis, because this country is changing the transformation on happening and being part of that is self-energizing, right? So. So uh, it's a mix of those things. Yeah, mindset and purpose. Yeah, mindset and purpose. Who do you think we should have as a guest on the podcast, especially from the UAE and Saudi Arabia? Oh, um, wow. I I, I know a lot of people, so, uh, 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 and I'm connected with a lot of people that are exciting, exciting, uh, exciting people, right? So, um, I think, I think we should have, uh, you know, some, sometimes, you know what, sometimes we, 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 in the media, we always celebrate, uh, uh, startups, uh, for example, when, when there is a round of funding, right? So, uh, but I would love to see more stories of, uh, founders that really, you know, what did they do? What did the achievements, right? So the impact that they are making, that makes, so this is a general consideration. Who? Who uh, I shall uh, we shall invite to to the podcast uh, next time. So, well, there are there are uh, there are uh, I mean uh, uh, the first the first person that comes to mind uh, is um, I don't want to give one name though uh, one uh, name yeah one like because, uh, the, uh, just a few names that come to mind I'm sure you'll forget many you know just the one that uh, occurs to you. No, look uh, there are so uh, there are so many female founders that. Uh, 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 are doing such an unbelievably amazing job in our region that when, when we say, oh, uh, 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 you know, there are not enough female founders. Yes, probably it's true, but we already have a lot as well. So let's start uh, listening to them. Let's start listening to their stories. So, uh, I don't know. I can, I can mention a few, name, a few names from, I mean, I don't want to leave people out. That's a, that's a challenge, but the, the, the good ones, right? So, but, uh, Sophie Smith, for example, she's an amazing song. Anushka Iqbal, she's an amazing song. Uh, and, and we, and we have ma- many more, right? So, so I can go on and on. Um, so, uh, I would, I would, I would invite, uh, probably a female founder, uh, from the region as your next guest to, to, to listen to her story, what, what, how she did it and, 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 you know, inspire more female founders in the region to follow. So. Perfect. I'll, I'll follow up. On, uh, awesome. <laughs> what, what questions should I have asked that I didn't? Wow. Uh. Uh, well, you, uh, good, 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 amazing question. Um, let me think about that. Well, you, uh, you started straight away, uh, uh, you know, you started straight away probably from my, uh, 
professional experience and he started from the last role and we talked, uh, we started talking about a bit about the vision here in, in South PIF and then we, we discussed about a few things about the startup ecosystem. But probably you didn't ask me, well, you asked me about uh, some uh, uh, personal experiences like the, the hiking and, but, but you didn't ask me about, uh, you know, uh, more personal questions, right? So, um, even simple questions, I don't know what I like doing, uh, you know, uh, uh, during the weekend or what drives me, but, but uh, I don't know, outside of work, right? So, uh, I think, I think it's important, um, uh, I think it's, in, I mean, I think it's important question, uh, about, uh, about, about to, to get to know, uh, someone as well on a personal level in terms of, um, as a, a full picture or a well-rounded picture about who is in front of you. Uh, but also, uh, uh maybe is also, uh, a question about, um, maybe also what is your legacy as a person, right? So what is it you want to leave behind? Um, so, uh, I mean, this is, if you ask me, listen, that, uh, maybe you didn't ask it, it probably would it be part of this nice conversation together. Yeah. So you want to tell us your leg the legacy you want to leave behind? Oh, the legacy one, uh, the legacy one is, um, um, listen, uh, I, I told you, so what, what inspires me uh, as well, starting from my origin is, um, uh, trying to help, uh, uh, entrepreneurs and founders in their journey, right? So, but I guess this is not specific enough. So I think that, uh, uh given the context where I am today and, uh, uh, where I live today is, um, for me, a, a, a legacy I would want to leave behind is inspiring uh, young people, uh, towards entrepreneurship, right? So as, as a, as a viable, uh, option for them to, to consider like, uh, uh, whether they, they look at their careers as a portfolio career, right? So not the linear, linear career path probably doesn't exist anymore, but as a portfolio career or as the main thing, like building, building something, right? So, uh, inspiring them to, to the mindset that is, is that, that, that an entrepreneur would have, right? So, uh, this is a legacy that I would, I would love to leave behind because um, the demographic of these regions are unbelievable. Uh, so there is a young population here with a drive too. And also there is, there has been historically this stigma in the region around uh, this concept of the reputation and failure, right? So, and I think we need to go beyond that, uh, to enable more of the youth to take the leap, uh, of faith and, and, and also their families to consider that entrepreneurship, uh, is, 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 is required, is needed, is, 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 is a great path, even if it's, is it's an experiment in, in, in the journey of someone, right? So is, is, is a step, right? So careers are long journeys, right? So, um, but it's something that, uh, that, 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 that also requires the right mindset because yeah. again, uh, we shouldn't talk about entrepreneurs as heroes, but, uh, um, it's, it's a tough path. And as, yeah. as we know, most they are, are change most makers. Even yeah, change makers, right? So, and, and we need, we need a lot of that. We need a yeah. lot of that. Right? So, uh, yeah, that, that would be something I would be happy to, to contribute to. Uh, so final thing I like to always close with a note of gratitude. So what is a gift someone has given you that, that has had a large effect on your life? Uh, yes, I'm grateful to many people. I'm grateful to many people. Um, but, um, I am grateful to, for example, uh, I would mention this one. I, I am grateful to, um, a manager that I had when I was at Google that, uh, he truly cared about me because he was really sharing with me direct feedback on, uh, what I did well, but also where I could have really improved, right? So sometimes giving negative feedback is, is always tough. So, so we, we tend, uh, people tend to do it in different ways and it would be a long conversation on, on, on giving feedback, right? So, okay. but sometimes, uh, even, and this applies also to founders, right? So when, when they're building their prototype, uh, usually it's family and friends. So they go to their family and friends and ask feedback. And usually it's the encouragement more than the real feedback is that, yeah, you're doing an amazing job. Yeah, keep going. Good job, great job. But is that help for, for, for the person? Probably not. So finding someone in your life that, um, help you to become more aware or give you candid feedback and, uh, actionable feedback and, and, uh, is really that to, is really that truly caring about you is a blessing. So I'm really grateful 
for that manager and other people that, uh, you know, uh, do like that because it's really help and uh, we are all here to learn and improve, right? So, uh, and, and those people really help you in the journey. So I'm grateful to those people. That's a wonderful thing, idea to close on. And I can't agree with it more. Really, when so-called negative feedback is coming from a place of love, it's, it's coming mm -hmm. from a place of trying, helping really want someone to improve. Uh, yep. it, it makes a very big difference in their career and it's an important thing. So yep. uh, with that, Roberto, thank you very much for your time today. Um, I really appreciate it and I really appreciate your view on the ecosystem, you know, and where it should be. Um, and uh, lovely having you. Likewise, uh, same, same feeling for me. Ali, thank you so much for, for inviting me. I really enjoyed uh, our conversation. Uh, look forward to, to, to learn who your next guest will be in, uh, in the next episode. So, uh, and look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. Thank you, Ali. Thank you for listening to this episode of Startups Arabia podcast. If there was something you really liked about what the guest said today, reach out to them on social media and tell them what you liked. And of course, if you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? You don't want to miss any of our great upcoming episodes. Also, please rate us and give us comments on our social media accounts so that we know how to improve. And also tell us what you like. We don't mind hearing that either. Until next time, this was your host, Addie's Whale.